It can be a challenge to be an introvert in a world that favors extroverts and high energy. But Dr. Arnie Kozak, author of the audiobook The Awakened Introvert, has an encouraging suggestion. Embrace being an introvert. In fact, the Buddha himself was an introvert. Dr. Kozak shares how accepting your introversion can help you awaken to your greater potential as a human being. Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. We offer brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you move in positive directions and master big change. For more information, please visit YourGreatJourney.com. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A.com. Today, we are sharing an excerpt from the audiobook, The Awakened Introvert, Practical Mindfulness Skills to Help You Maximize Your Strengths and Thrive in a Loud and Crazy World, written by Dr. Arnie Kozak. Living in an extroverted world can be draining and discouraging, especially for those who recharge by being alone. By using mindfulness, you can learn how to harness your strengths as an introvert while minimizing your weaknesses. With just a few tools, it is possible to live confidently in an energetic world. In this episode, Dr. Kozak suggests that introverts learn to embrace being an introvert. He shares the story of Buddha, also an introvert, and his development of the Four Noble Truths. The Buddha was an introvert. The story of a privileged kid, Siddhartha Gautama, who became the Buddha, can show you a path from pretending to be an extrovert to embracing the value of introversion. Despite living 2,500 years ago, the Buddha's story has a lesson for introverts living today because it appears that he was an introvert who lived much of his earlier life conforming to extrovert expectations. Yet he found a way to move beyond these expectations and embrace an introverted view and approach to life that resulted in profound peace, wisdom, and happiness. Much of what is known about the Buddha's biography comes from a handful of cryptic statements he made in his teachings. Often referred to as a prince, he was born into a life of ease, and in one of his lectures he gives a glimpse of what this courtly life was like. He had separate houses for the seasons, and he was constantly entertained. In the Anguttara Sutra, the Buddha said, I lived in refinement, utmost refinement, total refinement. A white sunshade was held over me day and night to protect me from cold, heat, dust, dirt, and dew. During the four months of the rainy season, I was entertained in the rainy season palace by minstrels without a single man among them. Sounds like an extrovert-style party. The young prince lived a life of luxury, pampering, and amusement. He likely had no privacy as he was constantly engaged in courtly functions, games, and the care of his royal person. This would have been a challenging life for an introvert. One exceptional moment of privacy occurred when Siddhartha was eight years old. He separated himself from the group celebrating the harvest, sat under a rose apple tree, and went into spontaneous meditation. This event was an early sign of his introvert and spiritual leanings. We know that despite his advantage, Siddhartha was not happy. 
If Siddhartha was an introvert, as his time under the rose apple tree in his later life suggest, then he must have spent much of his early life pretending or being forced to be an extrovert. This, no doubt, contributed to his sense of dissatisfaction with life. After 29 years, he left his home to seek a more enduring happiness. The story of the Buddha's life is more allegory than literal truth. The reader is asked to accept that he had not seen a sick, old, or dead person until he was 29. This would seem to be a physical impossibility. However, according to the legend, his sudden exposure to these signs provoked a crisis that inspired him to seek a deeper meaning to life for himself and for others as well. The sight of a sick man, an old man, and a dead man shook Siddhartha's worldview. He realized how impermanence pervaded everything, especially human life. From then on, it made no point to him to blindly pursue pleasure because all of life was fleeting. There had to be a way to escape from the pervasive dissatisfaction that he felt in his own experience and the experience of those around him. He then set out as a wandering yogi, living in the forest for the next six years and practicing extreme privations. He did have a handful of practice companions, but most of the work was done in solitary silence. Despite his prodigious efforts, he did not eradicate that sense of dissatisfaction or shake off his existential crisis. There had to be another way. After these years of isolated deprivation, the soon-to-be Buddha realized a middle path was needed, something in between an extroverted life of pleasure-seeking and a loner ascetic's life of denying the needs of the body. That middle path became his teaching, grounded in mindfulness. The path the Buddha advocated was more weighted toward the introverted side of the continuum, practicing alone and in silence. The Buddha gave these basic instructions in the Majima Nikaya 10. There is the case where a monk, having gone to the wilderness, to the foot of a tree, or to an empty building, sits down folding his legs crosswise, holding his body erect, and setting mindfulness to the fore. Always mindful, he breathes in. Mindful, he breathes out. Uttiya, one of the followers of the Buddha, aimed for the following aspiration from the Buddha's teachings, or Dhamma, also styled Dharma, when he said in the Samyutta Nikaya 47, I might dwell alone, secluded, heedful, ardent, and resolute. These qualities sound like a roster of introvert strengths. The Buddha's Awakening Going back to the Buddha's story, on the verge of collapse from starvation, Siddhartha abandoned both his path of deprivation and his few ascetic colleagues and accepted a meal from a young cowherd girl. Fortified by this simple meal of rice wrapped in a banana leaf, he sat down under a tree and resolved to not get up until he had found a way beyond the pervasive stress he felt in his life, a stress that appeared to be universal for others as well. When the Buddha sat down under a peepal or fig tree, now known as the Bodhi tree, in what is now Bodhgaya, India, he went into a period of intensive meditation. He practiced what we would now call mindfulness meditation. He focused on his breathing and bodily sensations. He saw his thoughts, memories, and emotions come and go. In the midst of these observations, he noticed something profound. Everything was constantly changing, including his sense of self. He discovered that this sense of self arises out of all the other mental processes of the mind 
and does not have an independent existence. However, for the preceding 35 years, he had been living his life as if this self did have an independent existence, and this mistaken belief was the root cause of all suffering. These insights brought about an awakening. The now Buddha, which simply means awakened one, realized that the self, while embedded in a personality, is not a solid entity. The self is fluid, impermanent, and malleable. Many yogis had achieved profound states of meditation long before the Buddha, but he was the first yogi to bring a radical cognitive and self-empowering view to the problem of existence. Buddhist scholar Richard Gombrich highlights the Buddha's revolutionary insight when he notes, A great deal of modern education and psychotherapy consists of making people aware that they are responsible for themselves. In fact, we consider that it constitutes a large part of what we mean by becoming a mature person. It is amazing that someone should have promulgated this idea in the 5th century BC, and hardly less remarkable that he found followers. 2,500 years ago, people relied on priests, rituals, and faith-based dogmatic beliefs for their salvation. The Buddha offered a psychological and empirical approach. In other words, an approach that involved looking within for the answers to life's big questions. No beliefs were required, just a willingness to practice. The Buddha's profound insight was that misery is self-inflicted by how mental life is conducted. That's the bad news. Even though anguish is habitually and unconsciously created, it is possible to intervene with this misery-making process through intellectual understanding and a behavioral commitment to change. That's the good news. These behaviors are encompassed within an ethical approach to living life and a dedication to mindfulness. The Buddha probably did not think in terms of introversion and extroversion because those terms were not in fashion, but he likely did observe that some people were externally focused while others were more interior. Introverts and extroverts will come to the internal work of mindfulness from different starting points, but will ultimately wind up in the same place. That is, all will need to transcend the labels of introvert and extrovert. The extrovert must slow down long enough to look within. The introvert must disentangle the mind from self-generated stories long enough to bring attention to what is happening now. It's an over-under problem. The introvert is over-interested in the interior, while the extrovert is under-interested. The introvert gets bogged down in stories and can spend a lot of energy lost in thinking. Life is overshadowed by imagination. Mindfulness helps introverts to reorient to the reality of the present moment. Regardless of the starting place, the Buddha's teachings apply to everyone, introverts and extroverts alike. His first set of teachings came soon after his awakening under the tree, and these teachings are known as the Four Noble Truths. Thanks for listening to this excerpt from the audiobook, The Awakened Introvert. Practical mindfulness skills to help you maximize your strengths and thrive in a loud and crazy world. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer. If you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate and review it. And please share it with friends who might also enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media.
Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W E T W A R E M E D I A dot com.